we thank you for the incredible truth that is in that. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you will come here tonight. And Lord, you will make that more real than it has ever been. That Father, out of that place, Lord, we will live with that truth. God, knowing your goodness, knowing your love towards us, and knowing that you are inviting in your heart is for so many others to know and experience that. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you will speak to us. Open our ears and open our hearts to hear from you tonight. In the name of Jesus. Thank you so much. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you, team. Hey, um, so it is it is my privilege to, to be able to carry on this series that we're doing. And um, I love so much that song, and I, I love the truth in it, and it lines up so perfectly with what I want to share tonight about God's heart for us. And, and I want to start, it's not a great way to start a message, but I want to start with a little bit of a pet peeve. And um, sometimes I get so frustrated, and I was looking at... Um, we were looking at some of our resources that we use at church when we often, when people are first coming to faith or asking questions and being able to really provide them with some great resources. And so um, I was looking through what was available and what was online and so many of them were frustrating me because they would start in places and they would start with illustrations like um, like this, the one that's going to come up on screen where there's a divide between between us and, and God and we're sinful and, and God is holy and, and, and that is true, but it frustrates me so much that so often when we start about telling our story and sharing about our faith that often we start in this place and it yeah as I say it just bugs me so much because that is not where God starts right and so God instead he starts in a garden and we go back to the garden of Eden when God first created people and this is the picture that God truly wants us to have that God created this beautiful earth and he said that it was good. You look at the most beautiful places on earth and he created that. He designed it with a plan and a purpose. And then in amongst that, he stooped down into his own creation and got his hands dirty. He didn't just speak a word, but he formed with his own hands humankind. He then gave his own breath into us, the very essence of ourselves. Our story starts in a place where we were created and we were loved. We were created with purpose and with a plan. It was a picture of a father and a newborn son. Of that kiss, that first kiss in human history that breathed the very essence in himself into the one that he loved. We were crafted with a soul that was intended to think, feel, dream, and create out of relationship with that Father. That is the place where our story starts. And then we come to Genesis 2, and it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God had made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he also created Eve in amongst his time, but for the sake of time, we're not going to go into that tonight. Paul did a great message on that this morning and around this. But it's in this place where there becomes a choice because love can never be forced. It must always be chosen, right? 
And this was God's heart. He was never going to force us into a relationship with him. But he was always going to give us a choice. And so Adam and Eve made their choice. And I think many of us will know the story well. And in that moment, the heart of God was deeply broken. And after we know they are hiding and God comes into the garden, he calls where they are, not because he needs to, because he doesn't know where they are, but because he wants to continue a conversation with them around it. And, and it highlights what the, the shame that they were feeling at that time. But God turns to Eve and he says to her in Genesis 3.13, what is this you have done? And so often we read this in an angry manner. And we hear a tone within God's voice that we put on them that I don't think was actually there. But instead, I think he intends for us to hear the heartbreak within his question. See, they had sold out to a lie. And God knew the pain of the decision they had chosen and the consequences of it. They were no longer in a place of trust, love, and mutual submission and fullness of relationship. Instead, experiencing the fracturing of human relationship on every level and the first time human selfishness reared its ugly head. In that moment, our selfishness, our selfish urges became so deeply rooted that they would continuously compel us to seek our own benefit at the expense of others. It was the birth of sin. Adam and Eve were now afraid of God had turned on each other, felt the shame of their decisions, and began to believe that they could determine what was right and what was wrong and used it to begin to justify their actions. And because God is always fear, there were consequences for the decision. But with God, there is always hope. And so came the covering, because their fig leaves just weren't cutting it. And as Paul said this morning, they were going to run into issues when it became autumn. But the cost of clothing them was that it required skin. It required something else of God's creation to die in order to cover their shame and their nakedness. And for the first time, they felt the guilt of their actions and the consequences and the cost of that. So we see in Genesis 3 verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now they had become like us. They had experienced what God was trying to protect them from. They knew firsthand the pain, the consequences, guilt and shame. And he had to block off the ability for them to have them have that for eternity. But what becomes of that tree that God closed off to them in that time? We see at the end of the Bible in Revelation verse 22, when God gives us a picture in the time when the church was being highly persecuted and needed to know the hope of what he was doing and what the bigger picture of what God was going to do in the end. And in Revelation 22, he shows us, Then an angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing 
from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The curse that had come in Genesis was going to be finished. And right now we are in a place where we live between these two trees. We are in a place of restoration where God is working us back into that plant, that garden. And so began the long journey of a deep shifting from the original design of God's creation and a complex journey of grace to restore it. For of a long history of people continuously choosing themselves and God holding back his judgment while remaining true to his character of being just. So often we struggle with the judgment of God. But recently my family has been going through a significant court case. And we feel that there's been so much injustice and so much deceit that I have become so thankful for the justice of God because I know that I can pray to him knowing that ultimately he is going to weigh up good and evil. He is going to expose the truth that where there has been injustice and pain caused, I know that 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 hasn't been unseen before the hand of a sovereign God. And I know that he will rule and reign in a way that is just and that is fair. And when you are sitting on that side looking to be vindicated when you have been hurt and that pain, the justice of God is something that is so incredible. But then I'm also so aware that because he is fair, that he is going to hold me accountable for my actions and the times when I have made selfish decisions and chose myself over others. When I've allowed my words and my actions, whether that be out of a place of pain or just misjudgment or misunderstanding to hurt others as well. So often when, I'm gonna, I, when I feel myself being held accountable for that, my response is, but, but that's not fair, but, but there was this. And, and I can't always get it right. I mean, I didn't even know that about that. If, I, if I'd known that about that person and about their story, then, then I wouldn't have done that. And sometimes I just hurt people because I've been hurt and it's out of that place that I respond and I react. And God says, I know. And suddenly the fig leaves don't work. And I feel so exposed because you realize that that just doesn't cut it and it doesn't make it right. And I'm afraid of the presence and the judgment of God. And my relationships are damaged because of my actions my selfishness, my sin, rears its ugly head, and I don't always know how to fix it. And God says, I know. And no matter how much I try, I am never, ever going to be able to fix all of the brokenness that I see in this world. All of this brokenness that so grieves the heart of God, because in our humanity, we continually choose our selfishness and our protection over others. And so the blood was shed by Jesus for once and for all. He who was without sin, he that had continuously chosen love, he who chooses selflessness selflessness for the benefit of others becomes the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. We then are able to be clothed in his righteousness as Adam and Eve were first clothed in the skin of God's creation. The depth of brokenness that was in the world was so complex 
that we were never going to be able to fix it ourselves and get it completely right. We would never die on the cross with a gracious attitude for those watching, cursing us, but he would. And then with the resurrection, God again breathes his life into us. This new resurrection life, the same power that was in Christ Jesus, Christ began, breathes again into us by the power of his Holy Spirit. No longer do we fear death, the ultimate judgment of our sin, but instead he invites us to partner with him in the seeing of the world put right, enjoying eternal life in the goodness of the relationship with him and his others and experiencing firsthand his kingdom come on this earth. I'm going to watch a video in a minute that's going to explain it a little more, but I just want to leave us with this thought. God always chose us. The question is, will we choose him? Sin translates the Hebrew word chata and the Greek word hamartia. The most basic meaning of sin isn't religious at all. Chata simply means to fail or miss the goal. Like when the Israelite tribe of Benjamin trained a small army of slingshot experts, they could sling a stone at a hare and not kata, that is, fail or miss. Or there's a biblical proverb that warns against making hasty decisions because you're likely to kata your way, miss your destination. So in the Bible, sin is a failure to fulfill a goal. But what's the goal? Well, on page one of the Bible, we learn that every human is an image of God a sacred being who represents the creator and is worthy of respect. And so in this way of seeing the world, sin is a failure to love God and others by not treating them with the honor they deserve. You can see this idea in the famous code of conduct given to the Israelites, the Ten Commandments. Half of them identify ways you can fail at loving God, and the other half name ways you can fail at loving people. And the fact that both kinds of failure are combined shows that failing to honor God is deeply connected to failing to honor people. This is why in the Bible, sin against people is sin against God. Like when Joseph refuses to sleep with the wife of Potiphar, he says, how could I sin against God? In Joseph's mind, failing to honor a human made in God's image is a failure to love God. And so, sin is a failure to be truly human. But there's more. A fascinating thing about sin in the Bible is that most of the time that people are failing, they either don't know it, or even worse, they think they're succeeding. Like when Pharaoh wants to build Egypt's economy and protect national security, in his mind, this justifies enslaving the Israelites. He thinks it's good, and he's totally unaware that it's an epic fail. Or when King Saul is chasing David around the wilderness trying to kill him, he thought he was bringing a criminal to justice until he realizes he's the corrupt one. And he says, I have sinned. I am the failure. So sin is about more than just doing bad things. It describes how we easily deceive ourselves and spin illusions to redefine our bad decisions as good ones. So why are humans such bad judges between moral failure and success? Well, the first appearance of the word sin in the Bible offers an insight. There are these two brothers, Cain and Abel. Their parents had just given in to this beastly temptation to redefine good and evil by their own wisdom, and now Cain is faced with a similar choice. He's jealous and angry that God has favored his brother, and so God warns him, if you don't choose what is good, chata is crouching at the door, it wants you. But you can rule over it. So in these stories, sin, or moral failure, is depicted as this wild, hungry animal that wants to consume humans. 
and we know how that story ends. The Bible is trying to tell us that failed human behavior, our tendency towards self-deception, it runs deep. It's rooted in our desires and selfish urges that compel us to act for our own benefit at the expense of others. And it leads to this chain reaction of relational breakdown. This is why in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul describes hamartia as a power or a force that rules humans. In his words, we are slaves to sin. He even says sin lives in us so that the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. So with the word sin, the biblical authors are offering a robust description of the human condition. It's a failure to be humans who fully love God and others. It's our inability to judge whether we're succeeding or failing. And it's that deep, selfish impulse that drives much of our behavior. This is not a pretty picture of ourselves, but if we're honest, it's realistic. This is why in the Bible, the story of Jesus is such good news. He's depicted as the creator become a truly human one who did not fail to love God and others. That is, he did not sin. And yet, he took responsibility for humanity's history of failure. He lived for others and he died for their sin. And he was raised from the dead to offer them the gift of his life that covers for their failures. Or in the words of the apostles, he committed no sin, yet he carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to our sins and live to do what is right. And that's the story behind the biblical word for sin. Great video that just helps really very simply encapsulate what is the sin. And I love that it starts with actually the design of God and it finishes with God's heart to restore that relationship. And I thought that was just a, a really great way of explaining God's heart and Julia, this is, so this is our Life Talk panel. Um, if you've got any questions around maybe the topic we've talked about tonight, um, if you wanted to message them in, there's a number on the screen. We'll do our best to get to them. But um, this is Chris down the end, uh, Jono and Julia as well. Julia, I want to start with you. you in your message, you started with, with God's heart, with his design, and that uh, he created us to be in a garden and a relationship and a friendship with him. But the reality is we live in a, a broken world. We live in a, a sin nature, I guess. So what are some things that we can do to help us to remember that God's design is in it, or that God did design us for a friendship with him? There you go, Chris, on the panel for the curly questions. Um, no, I think we, we have to have a right relationship with Jesus, and we have to have an understanding of who Jesus is, and in Jesus we see what, what God's design and what that relationship was. And and if we don't have that relationship with Jesus, then our, our failures and our guilt and our shame is going to continuously become that block in our relationship with God. And so um, I think first and foremost, we had to get our lives right with Jesus and we had to learn what it means to actually follow him and to, to walk through that stuff. And then allow, that then allows the Holy Spirit room to flow through us and to deal with some of our hurt and some of our pain, which allows us to experience that fullness of, of relationship and, and that picture of being able to walk with God and not hide from him or um, be afraid of him or have carry shame and weight and guilt that we were never actually created to carry. Because I think when we, often when we think of sin, we have a particular area or thought process in mind of this is what sin is. But really our first response should be what is the design of God? How do, how do we begin to start figuring out what is the design of God? What, is, what does it actually mean to live a life that, that honors him? And I, 
you guys as well. well I, I think before we jump in, I think that so often we can get um, caught up on the fruit of sin and we major on that stuff. And, and that stuff, like behavior is only ever a symptom. That stuff flows out of a deeper place. And it's like, I think so often as, as a church and, and where people's judgments and stuff is coming is in those actions and going, actually, what's the deeper heart issue? And if we can if we can heal and we can be real and we can talk about that place, then the other stuff kind of heals and sorts itself out. Um, so is that is that talking about that stuff with with others, with God? Like, what does it what does it mean to try and deal with that stuff, or what does it mean to figure out what is the design of God? Well, um, it's ultimate, It's a little bit of both, I think, as well. Like when the Bible talks about we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so, which really is, means that as we, as we go on in life, our, our ultimate goal is God, is God is transforming us continually, trying to make us more and more like Him. So the more we spend time with Him, the more we, you know, pray, come to church, attend a life group, all of those things, read the Word, um, we're being transformed continually to become more like God, more to the way He designed us to be, more in tune with that. Um, yeah. So um, if we're talking about design before um, the brokenness enters into, the fractured enters into our relationships, I think you go back to Genesis 1, which I think Paul spoke on a couple of weeks ago, you're looking at, um, you know, what does it mean to be fruitful? What does it mean to flourish? What does it mean to multiply? What does it mean to be made in the image of God and to honour each other and the image that is in that? Uh, And I think ultimately we would say as Christians who follow Jesus that, um, that design is expressed in the person of Jesus Christ, and that in the Gospels we read what a true human flourishing looks like. And so I think there are a couple of indications of how we can see what that design looks like. Yeah. As well as you say, you know, from that then there's a renewing of the mind, there's, a, there's an ongoing process. Um, I think your first question to Julia, I'll just touch on that. I think part of it <clears throat> for me is really understanding that um, there's a process of healing, and restoration to go through, and that isn't necessarily easy all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, God's question to Eve, what is this you have done? Uh, to some degree, it, it, it takes a certain amount of personal responsibility to actually face up to the consequences of our actions, to uh, the consequences of other others' actions and their impact on us. And, um, yeah, I think, I think that's a big part of it is sometimes just that truth just acknowledging the truth, and the truth ultimately sets us free. But sometimes it can be a hard truth to hear. So, what are some what are some tips for for bringing that into the light? You know, like there's we've go right. I want to I want to sort this area of my life out. I need to shine some light on it. What are some tips to, to go through that? Because it is a hard process. Mm. But I just don't want to, so I just suppress it and put it in a box and just yeah, I'll bottle it, it up. <laughs> yeah. Probably not great advice though. <laughs> but we all do it, don't we? All yeah, the time, yeah, because yeah. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It, it's it's really not pleasant, and to to open yourself up to someone, or you know, to sit down with a friend, or um, to sit down with you know a pastor or a mentor or someone, and go, hey, this is something that I'm finding hard, whether it's big or small, is placing yourself in that that place of vulnerability, and I just don't want to do that sometimes. So, do we just do it anyway? What anyway? Sorry. I, mean, I, I, think, I think you guys have indicated a really important one, which is confess your sins one to another. Um, and I think all that talks about really is uh, when you keep something in the dark, you, it, it, you empower it. Um, when you bring it into the light, it exposes it and it, and it you know, 
problem shared, problem halved, all those kind of things. So I think there is an element where I think in our, in our society we, we're quite individualistic and we think we can kind of do it by ourselves. Um, hopefully as you come into a community of faith you begin and, and you grow and learn and God you understand there's no way I'm ever going to be able to do this by myself. We need each other and uh, we need to have those, those close relationships, those relationships that build trust and love. And then we can... Which is actually going back to God's design. Where he's designed exactly. us for relationship, for to be together. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we don't necessarily go like searching for stuff in our lives, but it's like it's recognizing when God starts to put his, put his hand on something and going, okay, like it's, it's time to, to deal with this or it becomes so much of a burden. You go, actually, God's putting his hand on it because he's like, you're not created to carry this and you don't have to, you don't have to carry it for any longer. And there's a grace to see that stuff healed. And so I think it's in the right timing with the right people working through. So uh, are we saying that we will never really complete the process? Are we never going to deal with all of our sin? Because we can understand this design of God and this is something that we want to strive for. We want to continue to work with God towards and this is you know, something we're transforming daily or you know, as we walk with him. It just seems a little bit hopeless sometimes to go, we're never going to get there. Doesn't it? I think it's, we can all experience the goodness and the grace yeah, of God, right. and yeah. and we can have have stories of His healing and His faithfulness to us continuously. And I don't think we ever get there. I don't think we, you know, we're never going to be perfect, but we can be better than we were last year, and we can have less pain than we had last year, and we can have deeper relationships than we had last year, and we can be more comfortable within ourselves, and we can be closer to God than we were last year. And and I think that's something we want to be be growing and we want to be striving for. And yeah, I think that makes it worth dealing with some of the hard stuff when it when it starts to come up because we know that God's got something better for us. Yeah, it's strengthening that relationship with God. God designed us to walk and talk and learn and be with Him. And if it's by dealing with those things, even as little as big or whatever they look like, it's it's beginning to strengthen that relationship, that friendship with Him, that we can walk in that even better than we could before. Yeah, I think it's a bit, uh, if we go back to what Paul said this morning, where um, he was talking about, um, to some degree, Adam and Eve, in the story in the garden, decide that they want to be like God their way. Now, God made us in his image. He wants us to be like God. But the way we be like God is be with God. And as we're with God, we become more like God. Um, I think that was quite profound, really. Well done, Paul. Um, but um, because really, that, it's, 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 we've all got this. God and to some degree, Adam and Eve had the same end goal as God, to be like God. We took the shortcut. We decided to do it our way. And so to some degree, there's the sense in us that we want to do it our way. Oh, I can make it happen. I can be. I can get there. I can do this. I, I can, by my own sheer force of will, um, become a better person. And uh, the message of the gospel really is, um, no, you can't. Um, but as you relax in who God has made you to be, as you begin to understand that love of God that we've talked about, that we are children of God, as you begin to live with God out of the tree of life, out of that life that he is breathing into us, then we start to become like God. And it kind of flows more naturally. You can't manufacture it. Hey, we we are running out of time, but I just want to, we've got some things on here. Um, some life groups. Like, if you're not part of a life group, this is a great chance to to join up, to sign up, to ask about one, um, to journey with people. Is that opening up the the chance to dig in deeper and go, what does this actually mean? How do I deal with this stuff? We run 
Life Keys courses, if you, you know, run a whole lot of them, grab one of these, look for a course that, whether it'll fit you and get, get plugged in, get be part of it. Um, you know, we would love to, to talk with you. We'd love to journey with you. Um, the people around you, if you came with a friend, if you didn't come with a friend, please just, just talk to someone. Message someone this week. It's not a, a journey that we can start and finish here tonight. It's not the complete story that we can cover, um, you know, just in a, in a preaching slot in a, in a small panel. But please don't go out of this place and go, oh, I just I feel so hopeless because, because Jesus. And Jesus came that we might have life and we would have it to all its fullness. And he came that he would take all of the sins upon himself that we could enter into a relationship freely with him. And that is the story, and it continues on. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be exploring that more. So make sure you come back next week and the week after as well. And as we kind of help complete this story, but also journey with people throughout the weeks, sign up to courses, become part of a life group, get connected and say hi to someone. We really would love to do this journey with you. I'm just going to pass over to, um, to Julia to pray. Um, but thanks, team, for, for all that you've shared. Do you guys want to... Do you guys want to stand as the team comes back and just love to pray for us? Father God, I thank you that you loved us so much that, Lord, you don't leave us where we are. That, Father, your heart's desire is that we would become more whole and that we would have deeper and richer relationships as we continue on this journey with you. And Lord, we just pray that you will take what we have in our hands, Father, and when we compare that to the the brokenness and the hopelessness and and the lives of sometimes our own lives, but the lives of those around us, but also, Lord, the brokenness in the world, Father, we pray that you will take us, and Lord, that you will use us, and Lord, that you will heal us, and Father, help us to be hope, help us to be light, help us to be practical hands and feet that bring love, joy, peace and hope to a broken world. Lord, may we be able to share love and grace with those around us, Lord, out of the overflow of what you are doing in our life. And so, Lord, we surrender this time to you now. Holy Spirit, will you meet us in this place? Jesus, will you help us to fall in love with you again? Lord, as we are reminded that we are chosen, God of the price that you paid for us, Lord, that you will always choose us. You always saw us. You always love us. Lord, help that revelation to go so deep within our hearts. Oh, Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. And we thank, we thank you for your faithfulness in the name of Jesus.